Morning, Miss Evelyn. Good morning, Joe B. How you doing today? Good. Really good. Sunday, Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, again. How come losing weight takes so much longer than gaining weight? Oh, I don't know. And it's not near as much fun. I mean, I can gain weight and not even concentrate on it. <laughs> uh, losing weight, you have to think about it all the time. And gaining weight, you don't even think about it. Oh, no. You don't have to. Mm-hmm. It just comes naturally. <laughs> In my case, it is a just inherited thing, I think. Somebody said if you ate a chocolate bar and suddenly it showed up on your stomach then you would be more prone to diet. But what it does, it just lays in there a while, and while you're not looking, it gets on your stomach. Well, yes, and a chocolate bar, uh, you know, it makes you, after you eat a chocolate bar, you're very happy and full of energy for about 30 minutes. (laughs) And then you get the dives into the deep, deep dark. I call my problem a demon inside of me because it craves sugar. And if I let go and eat just a little bit of anything with sugar, I'm done. I'm off the wagon. Yeah. Sugar, uh, I don't think I crave sugar. If you ask me what I crave, I crave salty things. Like when you said a bag of potato chips, uh, Lay's Classics, I could sit down right now and eat a whole bag. And let's just make it the family-sized bag while we're at it. I have always, salt has always kind of satisfied me when I don't know what I want to eat. It's I think it's like peanut butter. I don't think it's necessarily the peanut butter. I think it's the salt in the, you know, in the peanuts that I like. I'm a sucker for ice cream. You remember on earlier podcast I told you the six huge blizzards I ate all in one day and then came home and ate one mm-hmm. of your home-cooked meals. Yes, yes, that's that's one of our good old stories. Yes, for sure. But I don't think, um, I don't eat for, I do right now while I'm on a diet, I eat for energy and something that's going to feed my body. I think about that. When I'm not on a diet, I just, you know, holy moly, go with it. Um but I am very much a mood eater. If something happens in the next 10 minutes that makes me sad or depressed or something that I don't have any control over or get anxiety, uh, that's when I I can put it away. Reward and punishment. Yeah. Uh, I don't think about the punishment. I just think about the reward. Yeah. The... Um, I don't know. Maybe it just keeps my mouth busy and keeps it shut. <laughs> mm-hmm. So maybe that's what it is. What's our favorite television program each week? Each week? Uh, I think we love Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Yes. What jumped out on the Sunday morning today? Oh, I enjoyed the um, uh, uh, musical about uh, Diana. I don't know. There's something I thought to myself, you know, um, there's a lot of talent out there in all these plays and everything that you can go see. Is yeah, I really like that. There's just something. Uh, there is an attraction, I should say, with the royal family. There is that too, but well, I was thinking more along the lines of the people who participate in these. 
uh, like they were talking about, they had been rehearsing for 16 months on this one play, and I thought, it's great, but you have to have some sort of fantastic stamina, uh, both body and mind, I think, to do a play on Broadway where you're there maybe for years. Mm -hmm. And it's what you do every day, sometimes two or three times a day. How do you keep that so fresh? That takes a very special person or a whole group of people to... And 35, 35 costume changes, too, oh. on the stage. And this is a live musical. Yeah. And uh, Andriana Warren is the actress who did that. And for five years, she went into physical training. Did you see the uh, yeah. calisthenics she did? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and she would have to, because she's a tiny little girl. Mm. I mean, I always thought of Tina Turner um, as strong. I mean, when she was out in her little skimpy outfits doing her thing, um, she looked tough and strong. So I think that's why it was hard maybe for some people to think that she was uh, controlled by this mousy-looking thing that stood behind her in all the concerts. It if you look at his face, it's he's not even looking at her. He's just looking like he doesn't look real. He looks like he is so dead inside, and evidently he was a monster. So, Ike Turner was an animal, yeah, and she had to withstand that because she was beaten and bruised quite a bit. Well, David Burns is the songwriter for Diana, the musical, and he had an interesting note. He said when an audience gets together... There is a collective aphorism about what is is uh, what takes place, and uh, he likened it to uh, being in church, where everybody together is moved in the same direction with the same cause and the same technique. Yes, um, of course, I never thought of it that way because I hadn't thought about musicals that much, but. Um, when he said, and as, as I watched uh, the segment on TV, yeah, I got that feeling too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and there's something to be said about um, a group like that getting together and uh, how it feeds your mind and your soul. Speaking of feeding, uh, moving right into the Louisiana linemen and how the women of the community in oh. Louisiana went together. Wasn't that amazing? That I thought that was the most beautiful thing, and how should, they were doing laundry and everything for these people. I thought that is um, that took a bunch of very special people because you know down there that they were all um, suffering themselves, you know, for the loss that they had. Uh, but that you know makes you think that there's hope for good people mm-hmm. right now. You, you know, it's hard to keep up that uh, that hope for where we're going. All the women did their part in bringing food into a central point to feed the linemen and the workmen who were trying to uh, put the community back together and the state back together. And uh, one of the linemen said, this is a perfect example of the power of gratitude. Yes, yes. And it, and it does show that it is alive, mm-hmm. that... 
that sort of thing is alive where you're thinking about other people and um, we need more of that. Especially whenever they've lost a lot. Many mm-hmm. of them lost everything and still they were helping others. Weren't we in Tuscany, Italy? Uh, I, I, someplace. I remember the name and us going there or either that or we didn't go there. But... Uh, Yes, can you imagine uh, this thing we saw on TV this morning about the jousting and everything, um, that they do it every year and it's so important to uh, a town in Italy. Um, I guess it's like the Ren Lake Parade in Benton, you know, it's a big deal. And you wonder why, and, and especially for them to work on it like they say they did for, you know, all year the next year and how important it was to them. I kind of look at the jousting here at medieval times at uh, our thing that we have out uh, east of town all the time every year. Uh, What is it? Medieval. Mm, Yeah, medieval knights. Yes, whatever it is. Um, (coughs) That people uh, around the world are are, are doing it seriously. Mm -hmm. I mean... Seriously, it was really neat. Yeah. Last thing I remember, I went out and got a big turkey uh, leg <laughs> and got sick. I was sick for a week. Yeah, we we swear the turkey legs were rotten. Yeah. Well, it was a hundred and ten mm-hmm. degrees, and we yeah. go out there and buy turkey legs hanging on the yeah. strings, you know, and eating the whole thing like I do. And yeah, but where where else would you walk around? With a turkey leg, and I mean not a, a chicken leg. Yeah, I mean a yeah. turkey leg that's at least a foot long, uh, and just you know having it all over you. Yes, I always enjoyed those things. You hated <laughs> going out there. Well, I I don't like I don't like sitting in a bathroom for five full days either. You know. No. What's your uh, thoughts about Family Feud? Family Feud. Or was it Family? No, it was The Price is Right, <laughs> isn't it? No. The the feature of The Family Feud where the woman said uh, she went in and told her mother oh. that she was pregnant. Oh. And the mother said, you're out of my life. Oh, I, I don't get that at all. <laughs> that I just go, what? You tell your daughter or your son that over some story, Stupid thing. I mean, it didn't even didn't even happen to that one girl who said she had friends who were living together unmarried. So her mother disowned her just for having friends. There's uh, something wrong with the mother. Mm-hmm. Um, there there should be almost absolutely nothing to keep you from trying to have a relationship with your children. Absolutely nothing. Isn't there something kind of like that going on now in politics where people disown other people because of uh, political differences, you know? And I've always said that if there's any one uh, major, major thing, there's many, many major, major things, but if the one thing that I settle on is that Donald Trump has separated people and emotions with one another for one another. Well, I would say that, except um, in this case, um, 
I can under I can well no I I can't uh, no uh, maybe where other people are concerned and they don't want to talk about it but this has affected families I think a lot to the point that you don't discuss those things with uh, members of your family because uh, you know you love them and and hopefully they love you and you know the family is more important. But it has gotten uh, absolutely true that that is one of the main things I think that is happening that is really scary uh, in the U.S. is that we have allowed this to come in uh, to our families and it is making divides. It's making divides in the whole world, I think. It's not, I just say not even talk about it anymore. It's just... It's it's not a happy place to go. Let's go to the happy place and talk about old cars. They had a feature oh on old gosh. cars. Can you remember the first car that you ever remember? The first one, not you owned, but oh. the first car you ever remember? Well, it wasn't a car. It was a truck. Mm. The one that I always remember and thought it was so cute. And then to this day, cannot understand. Maybe my dad did it. He had a truck. He had a Studebaker truck. And I guess he painted it, and it was this kind of like dirty white <laughs> color or gray color, I think I remember. And it was a cute little truck. Um, and we were always kind of cowboyish at our place. So uh, brands were things that you like to see. You know, we could go to Texas, and you always saw cattle that were branded and everything so my dad decided that he wanted a name uh at one time we had a double r ranch you know and uh, then when i was a little and growing up he had this studebaker and it was just a a little truck that you got into and ran down the road to our grandparents and his mom and dad's and it was it was kind of your you know extra vehicle it was kind of um it was a luxury to have a beat up old car like that but my dad decided that he wanted to brand and so i came out one day and i looked at the side of the truck and where you might put your name roy Payne, you know bitten illinois something like that he had three little things on it there was a two just beautifully done the number two and beside of it was a p laying you know not not laying down where the top of the p was pointing up leaning it was leaning and then there was a another two and i thought 2p2 what what is 2p2 and dad says oh no it was two and this is a lazy two because it's laying down. And then the P was standing up. I had it wrong. <laughs> but when you read it, the way he made it, the brand was 2 Lazy 2 P. Mm. I thought, my dad is driving this truck around with a 2 Lazy 2 P sign on it, you know? But people didn't really understand what it meant. And, of course, he didn't drive it into town because it probably didn't even have any license on it. We just drove it out on the farm. But 
that's the first thing I remember. And of course, the second thing I remember is the cars that he purchased for me. Uh, some absolutely beautiful vehicles. And then um, when I got married, <laughs> even the first time, um, it kind of meant that you lost possessions of anything that your parents had given you. Uh, I always thought that like if they had given you a car, that when you got married and went off, you would take your car. Uh, no, you dropped everything at the door <laughs> at my mom and dad's house, and you were on your own. I don't think I ever asked for a car. He just, and I didn't have a car until I was in college. Everybody had a car in high school. Remember how they used to park? Everybody had their car. You always park it at a certain spot, and you wouldn't dare park it in anybody else's spot and all that. And you always wanted to go out with a guy who he either had his own car or certainly did have uh, the opportunity to borrow the family car. Uh, but I didn't have a car. But I went away to college, and uh, he called up one time and says, I bought you something. And I said, what is it? And he said, it's a car. And so I went home that weekend, and sure enough, he brought me a Crown Victoria. Um, and I don't even know what year it was, but it was a beautiful thing. It was sort of orange and with the big silver like, wave thing going down the side of it. And I was so excited, and I drove it to school, and I just loved it. And maybe... Two months later, he calls me. He said, hey, are you coming home this weekend? I said, yes. He said, good. He said, I sold your car. Mm. And with my dad, you didn't say why or how come. You just said, oh, okay. So I went home. Well, there in the driveway was a couple of years newer model of the same exact car, only it was yellow and white. And so I thought, oh, gee, you know, that's okay. So I took that one to school. Next thing I know, he calls and he says, you know, I don't know how much longer it was, but it wasn't too long. He said, uh, I sold your car yesterday. And I went, oh, no, because I was thinking, this is getting silly. You know, I really like this car, and it's cute. It looks like a girl's car. And um, he said, yeah. He said, I've sold your car. And I said, okay. And I said, well, what kind is it? He said, well... I don't. I think it's a Ford, but he said uh, they call it. It's a special name, and I said, "Really?" I said, "Now you have to understand that I'm outside then. This is at a dorm at Murray State, Kentucky, uh, at school at college, and we don't have cell phones. One, two. We don't even have rooms or phones in our room. You have a phone down halfway in the middle of the hall." You know, and if a phone rings and they pass by, they pick it up and answer. And if it's for, uh, you know, Evelyn Payne, they scream out, Evelyn, you're wanted on the phone, you know. So that's the way I got my phone calls. And so I said, well, okay. And he said, yeah. He said, they call it something special, but I can't remember what it is. And I said, why can't you remember what it is? And he said, it's rag something. He said, does that sound right? He said, it's called a rag top. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. The phone dropped out of my hand. I am screaming up and down the halls. My dad bought me a convertible. So I had this convertible. And so the next thing you know, I'm I'm getting married. And I think, gee, I'll take 
my convertible with me because I don't have a car, and this will be great. No. <laughs> car stays right there on the old pain farm. <laughs> it doesn't go anyplace. So, and then the next thing uh, he buys me is uh, he trades that off, and he does get a car. I get a divorce from my first husband, and I, I do need a car because... My first husband took his own car. <laughs> you know, he didn't understand the rules. Did you leave it here at the paint farm? You know, he took it with him, which was the thing to do. So I didn't have a car. So my dad goes and he comes home with this cute little car. It's a cute little car and it's a pale blue color. It's really cute. And it was a Pinto. <laughs> it's about five feet long. And, um, it wasn't in the best shape. Uh, I had to carry a miniature ball bat uh, in the back floor of the back seat of the car because you would get someplace and you would try to start it and it wouldn't work. So the trick came that you would get your ball bat out of the car. You would go around to the front of the car. You would raise up the hood and you would beat the battery. Because somewhere or other, the cables wouldn't ever stay on tight enough and weren't making connections. So you had to beat it. Um, I never got over. Sometimes I would try to wait till I made sure that there was no one around me. I would always look around to see if there was anyone around I knew because it was so embarrassing to get out with this little ball bat and hit your car. And So that was... That was the last car my dad bought for me. <laughs> and I got married again. Uh, but this time, I don't think he cared. I took that car. <laughs> and it didn't last too long, but it lasted a little while. He uh, loved me a lot more than he did Roy Lee. Yeah, I guess you could say that. <laughs> or he just wanted you to have the misery of me complaining about the car all the time. Well, I know it was a stick shift, and you really used to get mad at me because I used to shift the car as we drove without using the clutch. And oh, oh yeah, you, you, you yeah. hated that. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I was brought up a little better than that. <laughs> I do want to answer your question. And no, not everybody in high school had a car. No. In fact, I was 21 years old before I owned a car. I bought Kirby's 1956 Pontiac Catalina convertible while I was in the military. I paid him $1 for that car, and that was the first car I owned. So, yeah, we in uh, the lower uh, 90% of the class... We rode a school bus, or we walked to school, and uh, many times to a one-room country school. Now, are you in yeah. tears? <laughs> no, no, because I didn't have a car either in high school, and uh, the guy I dated did not have a car. And I was trying to think who that I could remember that had a car, and I really can't remember who had one. No, I don't remember ever going out on a date. Uh, maybe I, I did have a couple of dates with a nice young man in Crossville, Illinois, and he was a farm boy, and he had his own truck. First car I remember was Dad had an old 1930-something Ford or Chevrolet, and uh, he'd drive that to work. And uh, this was in, you know, I was uh, very small. I mean, uh, I remember we were sitting out in the front yard, 
and my father would take the car and he would have spare tires in the back of the car because he'd have flat tires almost daily on the way to work. And then on Sunday, after church and after we had our Sunday dinner and everything, uh, Dad would take the car over into the shade tree in the yard, and he would take all those tires out, that flat tires out of the back, and he would patch those. And you remember patching tires? Did you ever patch tires? Oh, yes. I lived on a farm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we patched tires all Sunday afternoon, and I remember the reason it was so poignant for me to remember that is the grass was kind of high, and it was in the yard, and uh, Mom sat down, and she was just talking away, and she was just jabbering away, and Dad was working on the tires, and I was kind of helping him as, like, Augie helps Joe G, and and, uh, Jake helps John, you know, I was kind of helping uh, dad around there getting tools and I must have been five or less and mom sat down and she started wiggling and she had sat on a snake oh my no sat down no, in the no. grass on the on a oh, snake oh, and oh. you could imagine oh my gosh you could you could imagine oh no I would have died right there yeah I would have never gotten up <laughs> I oh my gosh! Well, she came out of the uh, squatting position oh. she was in, seated position she was oh in. Gosh. But you know, as a small boy, uh, you never forget those things. You know, oh, so that's the first story I've heard about that. That oh, that's oh, I'll have nightmares now. <laughs> yes, you have oh. an aversion to snakes. Ah, oh yes, yes. I don't know, but early in my life, I I dreamed about them all the time and. And I know if I could sit down with someone who could interpret dreams that it it would have to be something horrendous because, oh, my gosh, it got years, years, years to, to get to where only today can I uh, see a snake in my dreams and I don't absolutely just be horrified. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you associated that with cancer, didn't you? No, this was long before. Oh, long. You associated um, it with uh, what? I don't know. I don't know. It was uh, just fear uh, of uh, I was trapped in the house and couldn't get out of the house to go where I wanted to go because the yard was full mm-hmm. of snakes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I mean terrified. Terrified. Yeah, my only nightmare is uh, that I'm uh, in a place where there's no food, <laughs> no calories, no you chocolate, tell, yeah, no you ice cream and chocolate, diet. you know. Yes. Hey, uh, let's close it out by uh, making note of the lady, the CEO of PepsiCo, uh, Ingrid Newley, 15-year-old girl to go to college and had nothing and yeah. graduated, became the CEO of PepsiCo and the instigator of bringing women into the workforce, into the management style. She is spending her time now reading notes from her kids. That was kind of sad. Yes, it was. I can see where she was trying to read those and remember. I don't think I'd have to read anything to remember that I hadn't gone someplace. With your kids? Yeah. There are very few things that I wasn't there for. She went to, when she was appointed, uh, selected as CEO of PepsiCo, she rushed to her mother to inform her. 
And, yes, uh, that was so cute, wasn't it? Yeah. That was so cute. Uh, kind of made me think of you <coughs> because um, you were like she was at one time when we were married, uh, only because you had to be in order to support the two of us and uh, five and then six kids because um, you had several jobs. And so sometimes those took you out of things, but you never missed anything. But the part that was so cute, I thought, that I remembered, and I did tell you one time, was that you were the boss at so many different places that every building you went into was one of your offices, and you were in control. And I remember you would come home sometimes, and uh, you would still be in boss mode. It would be bop, bop, this, that, that, that. And I remember telling you one time, you are not at the township not. You are not now at the newspaper, and you're not now at your agency. This is home. You were bringing it home, and you you weren't doing it mean. It was just you were still in boss mode. I don't remember that, but if you if you said that, darling, it's exactly right. Yes. Uh, you know, I would never dispute you. You no. are exactly right and everything. <laughs> I like what her mother told her, told the CEO of PepsiCo. Honey, leave your crown outside. Yes, yes. That was, uh, I love that too. When you walk through the door, you're just that mother. You're nothing else. <laughs> hey, honey bunny, can I close this out? Do I have your permission to close this out? Yes, you do, honey bunny. <laughs> okay, honey bunny, I'll see you, know, you I've later. Decided, I've decided when I get my puppy yeah. that the puppy's name is going to be honey bunny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope I can still remember that by the time I get a puppy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think uh, I'll get one. No, you get a cat. And no, I'm going to. Okay, I'll get a. I'll get a cat, and it, I'm going to name a, it Pulp Fiction. Yes, <laughs> you go, just call him Pulp. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I think you should get a little little cat so that they can play together. Because yeah. cats, I don't like cats, but they are funny to watch. Honey bunny. Honey bunny. Hey, Pulp Fiction. <laughs> okay. See you later. Okay. Bye bye. The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequity of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Blessed is he who in the name of justice and goodwill shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness, for he is truly his brother's keeper and the finder of lost children.